Lunch, we'll be featuring our guest of the week. These guests are often familiar voices on Radio 3 that we hear from time to time. Throughout this week, we'll get to know them a bit better, find out about their childhood and hobbies, and some of the defining moments of their lives. This week, I'm super delighted to have a wonderful guest on the program. Now, he's no stranger to RTHK. Vivek Mabubani is a renowned stand-up comedian. He's also an award-winning new media designer. Vivek has been crowned the funniest person in Chinese in Hong Kong in 2007 and also in English in 2008 in the Hong Kong International Comedy Competition. Vivek has also taken his sense of humor all over the world, including Hong Kong, China, Macau, Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, Sri Lanka, India, Australia, Canada and the U.S., in fact, the U.S. world-famous Laugh Factory ranked him as one of the top 10 comedians in their annual Funniest Person in the World competition. And in 2018, he was named among the 10 outstanding young persons in Hong Kong. So let's start with his childhood and how he sees his own identity as an Indian person growing up in Hong Kong. I went to a local Chinese school, which was a new experience for most non-Chinese kids back in like the 80s. Because back then you had designated schools for the non-Chinese or international schools. My parents thought, no, I want my child to learn the local language for two reasons. Number one, they felt if you can speak the local language, everyone's your friend. Number two, they didn't speak it and they needed free translation. So they were like, we're not paying for translators, we're making our son learn this language. And I was like, wait, this is not right. Why don't you learn it? Like, no son, be obedient. <laughs> so they sent me to a local school and I grew up over there. Uh, I remember in the whole class, in my whole year, we had maybe three or four non-Chinese. And so initially it was kind of a culture shock because I'd go into the classroom and I'd be the only non-Chinese kid there. Now, un up until school or kindergarten, actually, my environment had non-Chinese, basically Indians, right? And I thought, well, this is all normal. Until I go in the room and I'm like, what's wrong with you people? Like, you, you all you're don't all make different. Sense. Yeah, you're all different. And if anything, they're all looking at me going like, why are you different? And I'm like, hold on a second. Wait, no, no, I'm, I'm the normal. You're the different one, right? We're all confused. However, it took a little while. Partly because when I was in, still in primary school, my Cantonese was not sufficient enough to have a full conversation. I was able to kind of like, you know, oh, Okio Avi, my name is V, hello, you know, I like basketball, basic stuff, you know. But not enough to defend myself when they're like, are you an alien? I'm like, what's an alien? I'm a guy, you know. So you have that. So initially it was tough. However, as my language improved through a lot of hard work, like tutorials or after school sessions, like hours and hours of pain. Every day. Every day. Three hours a day. I remember from primary three to six, it was just at the tutorial center, all homework, all dictation, everything until I'm done. And was it one-on-one -on -one sort of? In a it was a room. Group? Yeah, it was a whole group. And it was one of those uh, after school things where a lot of kids, their parents are still working. So they send the kids to the center to do the homework. And they've got one or two aunties and uncles taking over and watching everyone. So I'd be there for just my Chinese. So until I get it right, I can't leave. So sometimes I'll only leave at like 6 or 7 p.m., get home, have dinner. Because if I couldn't do my homework or I failed in dictation, you're not leaving. You're working on this until you get it right. So you'd have those things. However, I always say the pain I did from primary three to six, those four years, it is worth it. Like I will tell anyone, the earlier you do all these pain and you, you grasp your language skills, it's so worth it because it pays off for the rest of your life. So initially, until around primary three or four, my Cantonese was not that good. By primary four onwards, I was like, okay, I can speak now. Now I can defend myself. And now I can understand my classmates, which also was really uh, disappointing because I realized they're all talking rubbish. I'm like, I've worked so hard so I can understand the trash that you're talking about. That was useless. I don't need this. 
But it was good because we started getting along. We started talking. We started hanging out. I would go to their birthday parties. They'd come over to the house. So, you know, we, we mingled. Everyone got along. And you'd get one or two times of the, the jokes here and there. But that's, you know, I'm in an all-boys school. No, not, nothing sensible is going to be spoken about, right? So we're there making fun of each other until I go to secondary school. And that's when the new challenge begins. Because once you're in secondary school, now you're in a new environment. You've got kids who are like, you know, 16, 17, and you're this 12-year-old kid. So you're just like the, the, the age range is so big because a 12-year-old is way different from 17-year-old. A 6-year-old is quite similar to an 8-year-old, right? So the range is over there. And now this is a new environment. This is where, of course, all boys school comes and, you know, people want to attack you, make fun of you, discriminate you. You're trying to find out who am I, what's my identity. And that's where I found uh, discrimination was an issue. However, it was also the place I found that I can use humor as a self-defense mechanism. And that's where I, without realizing, started developing my sense of humor, where people make fun of me and I take one step ahead and I make fun of myself first. And they're like, I was going to make fun of that. I'm like, I did that already. And they're like, oh, I don't know what to make fun of you. I'm like, well, we could be friends. They're like, okay, let's be friends, you know. So stuff like that. So that's how the whole flow happened. And that's how I grew up into a teenager and got along with all my classmates and all the weird things that happened. So basically much, it was weird, but very, very fruitful young life. I love how honest you are because you're just saying that they try to make fun of you, but you made fun of yourself first. So yeah. they've got nothing. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. I'll be like, you get original people. I did that joke already. I talked about my body hair. What else you got? Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> Look around my face. So yeah, I mean, honestly, it was really a self-defense thing. It was never intended to entertain. It was never intended because I'm so positive or I'm so secure where I'm like, let me make fun of myself. But it's more like, oh, so if I make fun of it, they will not make fun of me anymore. So I'd rather attack myself than let them attack me. So I would do that without realizing. Partly also because it also avoided the chance of them getting upset with me or the chance of getting in trouble or even be tempted to you know, fight back kind of a deal. So it was like, okay, we diffuse the situation. This is good. Let's get on with our lives. Did you make friends quite easily? You strike me as a type of person who's very sociable. So I can be sociable if I need to. However, I'm not the type of guy to have 20 different friends. I would be more than happy to have one or two good friends, and that's it. And I've noticed in my pattern when I was in primary school, I'd have this one friend called Douglas, and we got along because we played the same computer games. We played these adventure puzzle games. If anybody knows LucasArts games, these are basically the games where you run around and pick up objects and figure out how to solve problems, right? And we loved it because we try to solve it, and the moment we solve it, like, oh my god, I figured it out. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta open the treasure chest, right? And then we would be excited to finish the game. Who finished it first? So I got along with him. We were really good friends until primary six. Of course, he went his way. His way I went my way. Went to uh, secondary school. Had to restart everything. Made a couple of friends here and there. I remember one friend called Alex. Initially, we were good friends. We, after school, get along and everything. But then academics came in the way where he was all about the grades. And he was making whatever he could do, trying to outdo everyone, get the highest grade. To the point that it even damaged the friendship sometimes where he was like, if I get a better grade than him, He'd I'm his upset. enemy. Yeah. Oh, you know, he'd be like, you're my so enemy. competitive. Yeah. You know, and I was like, this is weird. Like, what's the problem? You know, I got a higher mark. What can I do? So uh, that would be an issue. Then I got along with this other guy called Hino. And if he's listening, it would be so funny if they're all listening and going, like, oh, my God, he's talking about me. <laughs> right? So we got along really well. And that was the years when it was kind of formative where we were like, are we men now? Let's go and hang out at night. Whoa. Right? I remember we would sit. Have out, you got chest hair like me? Dude, man. Like, look at this. Right? <laughs> and we'd do all that stuff. Right? We'd be walking around the streets like we're men going, like, oh, look at me with my stride. Right? <laughs> 
and Friday night, sometimes we were like, oh, let's go hang out till 8 p.m. Yeah, whoa, we you know. So we're out. I remember we'd be in Victoria Park because it was free. We had no <laughs> yes. money, right? We'd sit out in Victoria Park, like, hanging out, having cans of Coke and Sprite. And we were like, look at us having drinks, like, everyone on a Friday night. And eventually, at one point, I remember we even had the, the audacity or courage to go, like, hey, why don't we try getting a beer? And I was like, why don't we just slow down, try Jolly Shandy first. <laughs> Okay. Jolly Shandy. Right? Yeah. 0.5% alcohol, people. Who knows what we're getting into? Like, I was worried. Like, I was never the type of kid to just be brave. Like, I'll tell you people, I can go on stage and entertain an audience as a comedian. I cannot get on roller coasters. <laughs> I can't do that. Like, I go to amusement parks. My favorite ride is the bench. I sit there. I'm like, this is a great ride. You know, no seatbelts. This is fantastic. I won't die. This is good. Literally, like, I'm that type of bra- uh, uh, braveness. So... Uh, back then, we were trying to discover who we were. We were trying to find our own identity. The funny thing is that I never fit in. No matter how I tried, if they wore this shirt and I wore the shirt, it didn't make sense. If they wore that cap and I wore that cap, it still didn't make sense. You know, I was trying to fit in. So I'd have a few friends who were richer and they'd get these new stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Let me get the fake version of that. Right? I would do all those silly things. Because like, we, I studied in Mong Kok side. So ladies market, I mean, come on. I get the knockoff. They would never know. Right, so a lot of these small things I was trying to do, save a little money here and there, and try to somehow make ends work. There were two incidents that I remember that was super hilarious. Number one, let me explain to everybody. I went to Dai Station Boys School, okay, prestigious school, prestigious until you go to the wooden doors of the classroom. They use the oldest wooden doors that you can find, okay, which means they can break at any moment. If you're the unlucky one to touch the door right before it breaks, you broke it, okay. So a bunch of boys. 15, 16-year-old guys waiting for the teacher to come in. And of course, what we're going to do, think of stupid ideas. So one of our silly ideas was we have we used to have a plastic bucket for a rubbish bin. So we'd put it behind the door. And basically, everyone has to try to slam the door into the rubbish bin and have it bounce back to close the door in the frame. You get it? So the bin is on the wall. You slam the door. It goes bang and try to see who's strong enough to get the door to slam and close the door. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, man, I'm a man. I'm a man, right? Everyone's trying to push it. No one's had And... For me, I was like, I have to prove that I'm a man. I basically took a deep breath and I was like, all my effort. This is like, you know, being this fit, is your chance. This is my chance, people. The, the body hair standing up straight. Everything's ready to go. I'm like, I'm like, Whoa! I'm like it's channeling every cartoon character I can imagine. Every game I played, I'm like, ah, bam. The door doesn't not only bounce back, it breaks in half. Oh, right. This is a real and this is the funniest thing. It breaks in half. You don't like when you watch cowboy, uh, cowboy cartoons and they have the saloon doors where <laughs> yeah. the bottom oh, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. right? And the, uh, the top is open, but the bottom's there. This is reverse. The bottom's <laughs> open, the top is covered. So now we close the door. Half door o- closed, okay? The bottom half is open. The teacher comes in. <laughs> the teacher comes in. <laughs> the teacher's like, you know, we're all sitting there like, oh, what about it? What about Ooh. it, you know? And the teacher was like, what happened? And I was like, uh, better ventilation. That was my excuse. The teacher's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And then, of course, everyone rats me out. And now I'm getting in trouble. And that was the moment when I was like, oh, this is real. I can't believe it. This manhood doesn't work when I get in trouble anymore, right? And so small things like that. But those were incidents that we did together as friends. And we would do all these silly things. But I always tell people, like, these are silly things you need to do when you're young. Yeah. If I did this now... They'd be like, what are you, what's wrong with you? What are you, crazy? Back then, like, oh, I'm a man, right? So small things like that. And it was 
like I said, very interesting, a lot of challenges, but I was always never the type of guy to make many friends. But when I made one good friend, I'd be a really good loyal friend to this person until, of course, problems arise. Yeah. Well, Vivek, it's so nice to talk to you. Well, in tomorrow's episode, maybe we can talk a little bit more about the area that you grew up in and also how it's changed.